studying in it, it's, uh, it feels like it's quite deep. <laughs> it feels like it's a little bit beyond me. And uh, so my goal in this is that it would be just that, a Bible study together, that we would take uh, maybe the areas that are not of understanding and to be able to crystallize and give a clear understanding as to what uh, exactly the Lord would have for us. So we're in Hebrews chapter number 7 and continuing where we left off. I'll review with you slightly and uh, just to kind of refresh your memory as to where we left off from last week. We've already talked priorly from the beginning of Hebrews. We are given an introduction towards God himself. And God tells us we're to give more earnest heed to God and to the things concerning God. And then in chapter 3, we read and, and are told of the unity which we have with Christ. The Bible tells us we are partakers of the heavenly calling. That is, there's a oneness which we have with God. Um, it's not... Um, uh, the, it's, it's not God and then us. It's when you become a Christian, you are one with Christ. Christ lives inside of you. And so there is a spiritual unity. And by the way, that spiritual unity isn't just with the Savior, but it's with each other. The, the greatest thing that we have in common with one another as Christians is not our age. It's not our skills. It's not our interests. It's our salvation, which we have with Christ. There's a spiritual unity, which we have together. And um, in Hebrews chapter 3, we... See in verse 18 and all the way up through chapter 5 where the Bible describes the rest which we have from God. And you may remember we, just, we looked especially at chapter 4 and chapter 5 at that rest, the rep repetitiveness of that word rest being given. And remember that rest is referring to the Old Testament uh, rest which the children of Israel found when being uh, delivered out of Egypt, out of that slavery. And so there was a rest which they found physically. But the rest which the writer, and we believe to be Paul, is giving here, the rest which he's speaking of is a spiritual rest, a rest which can only come from God himself. And so uh, that chapter 3 through chapter 5, we've read of those things. In chapter 5, uh, he begins uh, the dialogue of describing the progressive Christian, the one who's uh, progressing in their Christian life. Those who truly know the Lord are making progress. We're not dull of hearing. We're not in need of teachers, as the Bible tells us, but rather uh, we are always in ready to grow. We've moved beyond those elementary truths, those beginning things. And then this last week, we had looked together at the man after the order of Melchizedek. And um, you, you may remember the man Melchizedek, uh, for what little we do know of him, his reference is given in Psalm chapter 110, and then also in Genesis chapter 14, and he's referenced um, on occasions as far as his position all through the book of Hebrews. But Melchizedek we see as being um, uh, a, uh, a likeness to Christ. Uh, really, there's a personification or an illustration being made. Uh, that is to say, when we read of Melchizedek, we can see Christ, a likeness of Christ. And particularly, the biggest thing which we identified of Melchizedek last week is uh, he is ordained of God. The Bible tells us uh, God gave him his position. And we know Jesus Christ, uh, in his likeness to Melchizedek, he is also uh, ordained of God. In, in his ordained position, he is not just a priest, a high priest, but the Bible tells us he's also a king. And that's what we know God, Jesus Christ, to be also. He is a priest and a king. He is our priest and he is our king. So we understand there's a God-ordained authority. And then the, uh, we look together at uh, the significance in his genealogy. 
Um, and again, I'm still reviewing with you here. In Genesis chapter 7 and verse number 3, the Bible tells us that he is without descent. There is no history that we know of um, uh, Melchizedek, the man Melchizedek, uh, other than that he was a king and he was a priest. We don't know who his parents were. We don't know who, whom he was related to. But we know uh, that he was without descent uh, in the sense that there is no history record of him. And uh, the, the uh, comparison is made of Christ, who is also without descent. There is no trace. There is no beginning to God. God has always been. And God will continue to always be our king and our high priest. And then we look together at his greatness over the other priests. And really, we'll go into much uh, more description of that, beginning in verse number 13. We're in Hebrews chapter uh, number 7 and verse number 13. The word of God says, For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah of the tribe of Moses, spake nothing concerning priesthood. Okay, so we understand now as he begins from verse 13, he's now really, you might say, reviewing, but he's going into greater description as to how we see God or Jesus Christ in the man Melchizedek. Okay, and um, so the Bible tells us in verse number 14, that he sprang out of Judah. That is to say, he is of the tribe of Judah. Um, you, you know anything about the priests? They were of what tribe? Any takers? Of what tribe? The tribe of starts with an L. Levi, that's right. Uh, but rather, what we know about Jesus is he was out of the tribe of Judah. Now, in history, and, and what the Jews themselves would have said, you cannot be a priest. It's not possible for you to be a priest unless you are, have... Uh, either inherited that position, you are born of that position, uh, you are of that descent, you've got to be of that tribe. But yet we know Jesus, who being without descent, was not of the tribe of Levi, he was of the tribe of Judah, as, as he is described, and yet we see him still as a high priest. The Bible then continues to tell us in verse 15 that he is not just only of the tribe of Judah, but he is an eternal high priest. He's an eternal high priest. Look at verse 15. The Bible says, and it is yet far more evident. Okay, so what is far more evident? Look at what he says. It is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest who is made not after the law of carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. That being Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us he has always been. He is eternal. He always will be. Verse 17 for he testifieth, look down, look down your Bibles, teenagers, for he testifieth, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so we see uh, God's uh, eternality, the eternality of our high priest. Look at verse 18. The Bible tells us that he gives us a better hope. Now, let me stop here for a second and remind you that the priestly position, what was it that the priest did? The Bible tells us that uh, the uh, Jews or God's people would bring their sacrifices, their burnt offerings uh, be, to the priest, and it is the priest who would gather together all of those offerings, and he would sacrifice them or he would slay them and burn them uh, before all the people together. You remember there would be uh, those special days that the Jews would gather together. We could go into great detail of, uh, of what uh, exact, exactly the priests did of that time, but understand this that the Bible tells us that Jesus gave a better hope. Now, 
in Bible times, in the Old Testament, the priests would have given a hope, but the hope which they would have given was not an eternal hope. The hope which they would have given was not a sacrifice, which was a one-time sacrifice necessary for the sake of all mankind. Why was it that sacrifices were necessary? It was because of sin. And uh, it wasn't until God uh, made it very clear that those things are no longer, sacrifices are no longer, and, and the priesthood position is no longer necessary. And he's making these things clear even here. He says, uh, you're, he's talking to the Christian Jews. He says, you are holding to your traditions. You're holding to your belief systems. Some of you are so far in believing that if you don't, if you're not a Jew and you don't hold to these Jewish traditions in our culture, then you can't even be a Christian. And he says, that's wrong. He says, in fact, I'm telling you of a better hope. The high priest, which I tell you of, is not of the order or out of the order of, uh, of Aaron. He is not of that Aaronic priesthood. He's not of the order of Levi, of that Levitical priesthood. But he is uh, a man after the order of Melchizedek. He is Jesus Christ. He is a king and a high priest. He's of the tribe of Judah. Uh, he's eternal. And he gives a better hope. Look at verse 19. The Bible says, For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh to God. If you have your Bible, I would mark uh, in a pen, uh, to mark in your Bible, I would mark that phrase, a better hope, the Bible tells us. We have a better hope in Jesus Christ. Look at what he continues to, ta continues to say. He says, we have received, or that is, Jesus received his office by promise. He received his office by promise. Uh, look at what verse 20 says. The Bible says, and as much as not without an oath, he was made, what's that next word? Priest. Verse 21. For those priests were made without an oath, but this with and what? Oath by him that said unto him, the Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever. After the order of who? Melchizedek. This, once again, a reference to Jesus Christ. Notice the Bible says, the Lord swear and will not repent. Now, they, they say in verse 20, the Bible tells us that uh, there is the, the priests receive their descent. They receive their position as a priest when they were of age, okay? Or if they were of the tribe. So when they say that a normal priest receives his position of oath, it was of promise. It was of a surety. Okay? Just give you an example. Uh, let's say uh, that Brother Jason, uh, you were born of the tribe of uh, Levi. You would already be by promise of oath. It was already a short fact. No one would have to ask you what you were going to be when you grow up. They would already know you are going to be a priest. You are of the tribe of Levi. But the Bible tells us here that Jesus received office by promise, not from his uh, uh, background, but uh, from God himself. The Bible says, The Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In Psalm 110, I referenced that earlier. In verse 4, the Bible says, The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. This is a reference being made here in verse 21. Psalm 110 in verse 4. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So the Bible tells us that Jesus... Uh, gives us this guarantee where the priests themselves receive their position by promise and by oath uh, and, and uh, it was guaranteed that they would be in that position. So we have received the promise from God guaranteed that he is going to be the ultimate sacrifice, 
that he is going to be the high priest, the king, and do all that is necessary to, to make it possible for salvation to be received by all mankind. And so he received his office by promise, the Bible tells us. He swear and will not repent. That means he will not change his mind. That's what that word uh, repent means, a change of mind. God's not going to change his mind. God has already given us an assured promise as the high priest that if it was his giving of his only, God's giving of his only son, Jesus Christ, after the order of Melchizedek, gave his son to die on a cross, shed his blood for all mankind. And so the Bible tells us he received his office by promise. And then we see also uh, in closing of this chapter in verse 22 that um, uh, Jesus Christ makes that salvation possible. And I referenced this a moment ago. Just look at what the Bible says. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. That word testament means covenant or promise, a better promise. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. Notice verse 24. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. It's not going to be passed down. Jesus, when Jesus came and he died on the cross, he did all that was necessary. He was the only necessary sacrifice. Verse 25. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost. Okay, the priests in the Old Testament, their sacrifices, those sacrifices was a representation of the ultimate sacrifice. We'll look at that together in chapter eight in a few moments. But uh, th that was not the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus, the Bible tells us, was he saves us to the uttermost. He did all that was necessary. The Bible says um, able to save them to the uttermost. Verse 25 that come unto God by him, seeing he liveth to make intercession for them. The Bible tells us that Jesus gives that better promise, and because he offers what no other priest can, uh, that eternal salvation, uh, it, 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 it's, it's eternal to the extent that it saves us to the uttermost. In Hebrews chapter 13, why don't you turn over there just a moment, in Hebrews 13, in verse number 8. Hebrews 13 and verse 8, we understand that God is able to save to the uttermost, that God is an eternal high priest, and Hebrews 13 and verse 8 gives us further reference to this. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today, and for how long? Forever, the Bible tells us. that th This we read of an unchangeable God <laughs> and yet an unchangeable priesthood. Uh, nothing can possibly change. We, he has done all that is necessary. If this, if this d does not excite you, it should. Because knowing what Jesus has done for us, and, and although... Um, the approach which Paul is making here may seem to be different in the sense that he's bringing up this man by the name of Melchizedek, and we seem to know not but very little about him. Uh, there is yet so much significance in this man, Melchizedek. This, uh, this is the man, the Bible tells us, that Jesus was after the order of. He was as a king. He was a priest. He is eternal. Uh, he, he received his office by promise. He makes salvation possible. In verse 26, the Bible tells us he meets every need. Look at verse 26. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. And so the Bible tells us that only Jesus could claim these characteristics. Uh, only Jesus could do what he did. Look at verse 27 and 28. The Bible tells us, uh, once again, of that one-time sacrifice. Mark these verses if you haven't. The Bible says, Who needeth not daily as those high priests, 
to offer up sacrifices. That should be pretty straightforward in understanding. He doesn't need to go and sacrifice uh, every single uh, day or every single so many days. The Bible tells us, look at what it says, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once. How many times? He did once. You see, the priests themselves, they would offer up sacrifices on the account of others. It was, once again, a shadow and a representation of the ultimate sacrifice. But what Jesus did, he only had to do once. And the Bible says, what did he offer at the end of verse 27 when he offered up what? Himself. He offered up himself. The Bible tells us um, in 1 John chapter 2, in verse number 1, I'll, I'll just read these verses to you. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation. That's a hard stumbling word. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Look at the last verse in closing of this chapter, chapter uh, 7 of Hebrews. The Bible says, For the law maketh men high priests, which have infirmity. They're capable of sinning. They're capable of doing wrong. They're not perfect individuals. The Bible says, but the word of the oath, which was, one, which was since the law, maketh the, notice, capital S-O-N, maketh the Son who is consecrated forevermore. So the Bible tells us we cannot find more in any other. Jesus Christ was all that was necessary. Notice as he continues uh, into, into the following chapter, chapter 8. And Hebrews chapter 8 is now the beginning to where he begins to break down um, the specifics of the priesthood concerning Jesus Christ. In fact, I've, I've marked these in my Bible. In chapter 8, uh, the Bible tells us, or chapter 7, as we just finished reading, the Bible tells us he was a better priest. He has a better priesthood. In chapter 8, we see a better covenant. Remember that key word is better? We see a better covenant in chapter 8. In chapter 9, uh, we see a better sanctuary. In chapter 10, we see a better sacrifice. And so he goes through all of these descriptions, and we're going to look at these together in these weeks ahead. Uh, he goes into further description of this priestly position. And so now he's not telling us as though we don't know what a priest already does. He's speaking to the Jewish Christians, uh, understanding that they know what, a, what the priests uh, were to do and what was expected of them. But the Bible tells us that, um, uh, that he's telling them now of the likeness of this priesthood to Jesus Christ. And so in chapter 8, we read of that better covenant. Look at chapter 8, verse 6. The Word of God says, But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon what? Better promises. Notice the Bible says a better covenant and better promises. A better covenant and better promises. So what do we know about this better covenant? Well, he, as this is what he really is describing in its entirety in these verses which have been compiled of Hebrews chapter 8. And so let's look together. Uh, what do we know about this better covenant? Number one, it is ministered by a superior high priest. It is ministered by a superior high priest. We mentioned already the high priest. He's not uh, being Jesus Christ. Um, the writer here is not um, doing anything but helping to reiterate what he's just stated. Notice what verse 1 says. The Bible says, Now of these things which we have spoken, this is the sum. So in other words, he's saying, if you were to summarize everything that I just told you, 
that is, the man after the order of Melchizedek, Hebrews chapter 7. If you were to summarize it all, here's what you would find. The Bible tells us, number one, that this priest is seated. Jesus Christ, he is seated. Uh, and look at what verse 1 says. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. He is set on the right hand of the throne. Some people have misinterpreted this verse to believe that he's actually sitting on the right hand. That's not what this is saying. The Bible is saying that he's not physically sitting on the right hand of God the Father, uh, as in his literal hand, but he's physically in the sense of, or spiritually in the sense uh, of his position in heaven. The Bible tells us he's sitting on the throne. Amen? If you were to wonder where uh, our king, our great high priest, our superior high priest is, you could find him in heaven. In Hebrews chapter 10, in verse number 11. Why don't you look there just a page over. Hebrews 10 and verse 11. The word of God says, And every high priest standeth how long? Daily ministering and offering oftentimes. It's okay to respond, okay? And oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, that being Jesus, he had offered what? One sacrifice for sins for how long? Forever sat down on the right hand of God. You say, why in the world is this important? Because the priest did not sit down, okay? If you know anything about the priestly position, once again, we'll talk further about this as he, as he digresses within it, but uh, the priest did not sit. They were yet always standing. But the Bible tells us that there is no longer a need for the priestly position because God being the king and the high priest gave himself. He was the ultimate sacrifice. A, he is now considered a living sacrifice. And in giving himself, he did not die. The Bible says he still lives forever. But the sacrifice which he made, it washes away. Uh, the, the, it, it took the punishment of our sins. The Bible tells us uh, that we, our sins are made as white as snow because of what Christ has done for us. And so we see the priest is seated. Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. In Psalm 110 and verse 1. The Bible says, the Lord, uh, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. So we see in verse 1 that the priest is seated. Okay, Why don't you say that with me? The priest is what? Seated. Okay, Look at the second thing here. The Bible tells us the priest is a minister of the true sanctuary. The priest is a minister of the true sanctuary. So let's remember the priest's position. If if you know anything about priests in Bible times, you would find them either, uh, as we know, uh, in the tabernacle to begin and other times within the temple. The Bible tells us, in speaking of this sanctuary or the temple, the tabernacle, okay, this was a true sanctuary. Look at the following verse in verse 2. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. Okay, remember the tabernacle itself, it was often pitched, it was a tent, okay, it was pitched up by men, and it was traveled and was moved along, and it was always in the center and in the midst of, of the children of Israel themselves, in the center of the camp, that was to keep God central, and it was within there that you would find the priest himself, and, um, but the Bible tells us that as a priest would minister, so our priest, our great high priest, he ministered not in a physical tabernacle, not in a physical temple, but he ministered in the true sanctuary, the true sanctuary. Um, 
the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 9. Okay? I'm giving you further reference to these things. Look over at Hebrews 9 and verse 24. The Bible says, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the, of the true, but into where? Heaven itself. Okay, so God is the high priest, not in an earthly uh, tabernacle, not in an earthly sanctuary, but in heaven, the Bible tells us, in heaven itself. In Hebrews 10, in verse 19, the Bible says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that where can you find Jesus? You can find him uh, be, uh, excuse me, behind the veil in the Holy of Holies, the Bible tells us, in the place where the priests themselves would not go is where you can find Jesus Christ himself. And what is he doing? The Bible tells us he's seated at the very right hand of God. Where is he at? The Bible tells us he's in heaven. And praise the Lord for that, that the Bible tells us when Jesus was sent down to this earth, he, was, he gave himself as the ultimate sacrifice for all mankind. He did not stay dead. He's still living today. You can find him in heaven, and the Bible tells us he's preparing a place for you and I. And this is our God. This is our priest. This is our great high priest, a king and a priest, a minister, the Bible tells us, of the true sanctuary. Not an earthly sanctuary, but a true sanctuary. Uh, let me give you the second thing here, just in starting, and then uh, we'll close here tonight. Uh, the Bible tells us concerning this better covenant. We've seen together so far that this better covenant is ministered by a superior high priest, a high priest that is seated a high priest that is ministering in the true sanctuary. Notice, secondly, this covenant is ministered, this better covenant, this better promise, is ministered in a heavenly sanctuary. It's ministered in a heavenly sanctuary. Now let me back up for just one second and to try to describe to you that better covenant or that better promise. Uh, there is, as, as the priests themselves in their sacrifices, it gave the assurance to the children of Israel you could even use the word, it gave the promise to the children of Israel that, uh, that this was what was necessary because of their sins. Okay? We have a better promise today, the Bible tells us, and that is Jesus Christ. And he did even more than what uh, any other priest could have ever done. The Bible tells us that there were priests uh, of infirmities. That was not God. Uh, that there were priests uh, that were always standing. That is not God. The Bible tells us there is a priest behind and in within the holiest place, the holy of holies, and that is God. He is a king and he is a high priest. And the Bible tells us this is a heavenly sanctuary. And he describes uh, that these sacrifices uh, within the earthly sanctuary are a shadow of what God is, is uh, only a shadow. And once again, I'll remind you as the children of Israel, they held so strongly that you had to do sacrifices, you had to abide by the Ten Commandments, you had to obey the law, and they held so strongly to the law, they believed it necessary for salvation. And yet, as we believe it to be Paul, as he's writing here, he's helping them to understand, God is nothing like these priests. He says the sacrifices uh, on this earth, um, uh, the, the, the sacrifices that uh, were on this earth was nothing compared to the sacrifices or the sacrifice that Jesus made on this earth. He gave a better promise. And so um, we'll continue here next week as we look together at this better covenant and, and further into chapter 9 and chapter 10 of that better sanctuary and the better sacrifices of our Lord Jesus Christ.
Uh, let's pray together, and uh, then we'll, I'll share some prayer requests with you, and we'll get in, go into our prayer groups for tonight. Lord, I pray that you would help us to uh, take these things, apply them to our hearts,